Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. We can't think the sky is falling no matter what happens. Like there, if we were scared to go in a seller's market, we should be excited to go to a buyer's market. I personally say my philosophy is we should be happy to go into every market, like buyer's market, seller's market. It's all good. We just have to change how we approach the business a little bit and staying connected with people in the seven-figure group or this call, this Wednesday call that's just free for you to log into and ask questions. Like That's why it's important. But my biggest takeaway from the event was, why is everyone so nervous? What I'm excited. I think it's great. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on the show today. We have another live Q&A replay for you that was awesome. This was a lot of fun, lots of participation. Uh, you guys are really uh, getting the word out there and people are showing up and asking questions. And that's really, really fun. It makes it really, really great for me when there's live participation. We can have back and forth. And I think it just adds to the overall quality of what I'm doing there on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. So join me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, wherever you want to be on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. I am there answering your questions. Uh, this week, we had a bunch of great questions. Um, some of them, just a sampling of them, uh, talking about how to know whether to wholesale a property, uh, keep it as a buy and hold, or fix and flip it. Like, what are my thoughts on how to make that decision? So I gave an answer for that. Um, someone asked me, they were one to leave their nine to five, but they're nervous about building a business and handling all of the details and the admin stuff that comes along with owning your own company. And that that's huge, right? Especially if you're not a detailed person. Uh, somebody else asked also, uh, they've been buying properties for 15 years through auctions and wholesalers, and they're ready to get out there and start finding their own deals and fishing for their own uh, properties and talking to sellers directly and getting these things under contract directly. And they just needed some help with that. So I gave them some really good advice there. Uh, and many, many more questions. Had a lot of fun, some silly stuff happening and people kind of teasing each other on the live. So it was great. It was a lot of fun for me and I hope you guys enjoy it. So I give you my latest Q&A live on Wednesdays.
Welcome. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, we're here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific to answer your real estate questions. Uh, log on. Come prepared with questions. If you have a question and I answer it and you have a follow-up question, you can ask me the follow-up question too. So this is kind of your opportunity to get me kind of cornered on a Wednesday night and like ask me a bunch of questions. So like, you know, if you found someone at a, at a dinner party or something, cocktail party, and you wanted to ask them questions and you kind of corner them and you can ask them a bunch of stuff and they're stuck there with you, that's me. I'm stuck here with you. So I put myself in this position every single week. So take advantage of it. Come with questions and I will help you power through the problems that you are having in your business so we can get you straightened out, get you on the road to business recovery and help you with those things. All right, guys, if you need help with marketing <clears throat> and in the market that we're going into, uh, we are going to need all the help we can get, right? So the market's changing. We know that prices are going to be dropping. There's all kinds of things happening. We can, by the way, if you want to ask me what's going on in the market and kind of get my feedback, I would love to do that too. Uh, I am connected through the seven figure flipping um, mastermind with people from around the country, all over East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, everywhere. And um, we talk about what's happening in the market. And I just came back from an event where I was around a lot of folks in the seven figure flipping group. And we talked a lot about the market. So I'm happy to answer those questions if you have them. Um, obviously, nobody has a crystal ball, but I can tell you what is being said from around the country. I also interview people on my podcast, which is called Just Start Real Estate. You can check it out wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you want. Um, and we, uh, I interview people who are like serious experts in the, in the field of real estate and the market and watching the market and understanding the trends and what to expect. Uh, I'm plugged into those folks too. And there's a lot of good information there. So you guys should stay tuned. Uh, we're, we're kind of going into a market, uh, environment where there's a bit of a gap between the seller's market that we just experienced over the last few years and the buyer's market to come. But between those two is what we refer to as the gap. And so navigating that gap and understanding what you need to do, now is the time that you need to ask for help. Now is the time that you need to be connected and seeking advice and seeking education and really learning as much as you can so that you can not only just survive this transition period between different market cycles, but thrive, like actually do well. I'm not a big fan of surviving. To me, surviving is uh, just barely staying alive, right? Uh, when people climb, you know, Mount Everest and there's a bad snowstorm and things go wrong, they try to survive, right? It doesn't sound like a fun time. It certainly doesn't sound like a time for growth and prosperity. It sounds like a time where you just try not to die. And I don't think any real estate market is so bad that you should just be trying not to die. That's not really the goal for me or anybody that I help. I want to help you thrive. And so this Q&A, my podcast, some of the programs that I offer, now is the time when those are like life preservers. And, and you need a life preserver when things are going a little wonky, right? You get thrown into the ocean off of a cruise line ship and like you need a life preserver. You need a, you need a, a lifeboat, right? And I want to be that for you. So um, I'm here for that. If you need help with marketing specifically, you can go to my website. I created a, it's brand new. 
It is free and it is all about direct mail marketing, which I have so much experience in. Um, I have spent over a million dollars over the last several years learning how to do it right and getting results that allowed me to do over 100 deals a year for five or six years in a row for the last five or six years. So go and grab that program. Like I said, it's 100% free. You have nothing to lose. You should grab it and watch it. You can consume it in a day, no problem. Uh, but it will help you if you want to use direct mail in your marketing. And I think you probably should. Most people should be doing direct mail, I think. And uh, you can get that and figure out how to do it correctly so that you can maximize maximize your marketing dollars. And that's really important in any market. Maximizing your, mar- your marketing dollars is not trendy. It's not something you do when the market's here, but not when the market's there. You always want to maximize your marketing. And I want to help you do that. Okay. That being said, let me... Uh, Forgot about my Instagram folks here. Going to get those live. Okay, good. Now we're live on Instagram. Welcome, Instagram people. You dismissed my whole spiel, uh, but you can uh, go check me out on Facebook and you can hear the beginning. I apologize. We got you on here late. Uh, but let's dive into that first question. Let's see what people are asking. First question comes from Cody live. Cody says, do you think another housing market crash is coming? It depends on what you consider a crash. Okay. If if a car is going five miles an hour or 10 miles an hour and it hits a wall, that is a crash, correct? If the, if the car is going 100 miles an hour and hits a wall, still a crash, one's more severe than the other. One will kill you. The other one will not. I think we're heading for the you know 10 to 15 mile an hour crash variety. Um, does It can do some damage if you're not prepared. It's not awesome. You don't want to have to crash. You don't want to go through that crash, right? Even 15, 20 miles an hour in your car, Kind of stinks, right? But it's not 100 miles an hour. Back in 2008, we were going 100 miles an hour and we hit a wall. That was a huge crash. We're going to have, um, you know, people in my world are calling it a dip uh, or a correction. And these are all really uh, easier ways to hear it. But I do think there's going to be um, a mini crash. And so, what does that mean? Nobody has a crystal ball. However, in my opinion, if you have a house that's currently worth, well, let's not say currently, let's just say four months ago, the house was worth $200,000 all day long, easily $200,000. I think by the end of the year, sometime next year, maybe that same house is worth 175, 165, 170, somewhere in that range. That's the kind of dip I'm expecting. It's not nothing. It's, you know, it's a 15 percent correction and i think that's probably what we're gonna see something in that realm that's just my opinion um but i, I don't think we're i don't think that two hundred thousand dollar house is going to be worth a hundred thousand in a year i don't think it's going to be like that which is sort of what you saw in 2008 right cut in half i think it might go down by 15 10 to 20 percent somewhere there you know 15 percent. so that's what I'm thinking. Um, so, you know, uh, no, I don't think like 2008. Sorry, I didn't see the second part of that question. I don't think like 2008. I don't. I don't. I, I really don't. I'd be, I would be blown away if that happened personally. Um, but again, I, you know, nobody, if anyone tells you they know what's going to happen, stop listening to them because they're completely lying to you. They do not know what's going to happen. I think, I don't know of anybody who doesn't think it's going to dip. I and mean, in fact, I was in a, I was in a um, environment last week around a couple of hundred really, really good, smart, savvy, successful investors. 
And some of them are already seeing a, a 10 you know, percent dip, a 15% dip. Somebody already seen that in some areas of the country. In my area of the country, which is like Michigan Midwest area, um, we're not really seeing a reduced uh, a, re- a reduction in house values. We're seeing a slowdown in the speed to get the price you want. In other words, if I'm selling a house and I'm asking two hundred thousand because that's what it was worth a few months ago, I'm still getting two hundred thousand. I'm just not getting it in twenty four hours. It's taking a week or two to get someone to the price that I'm trying to get to. So. It's sort of like a plateau. It's a leveling off of the enthusiasm of the buyers, which a lot of times is the first step in the market going the other way. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't think um, I don't think it's going to crash like 2008. I really don't. Uh, but I do think that we're going to see a correction. We are going to see market price go down. Uh, matter of fact, my uh, my daughter is deciding whether or not she wants to sell her house now because the market's still pretty hot. And then wait for it to go down. And so that's a conversation we're having. And and I do think it'll go down. I just, nobody knows how far. I don't think it'll be that far though. I really don't think it's going to be a huge crash. It's going to be a minor little bit of a dip. And then we'll probably plateau for a while and then kind of go back up in a few years. So that's what I think. Good question though, Cody. It's on everyone's mind right now. All right, next question. How do you, how do you decide whether to wholesale a property or keep it and fix and flip? <clears throat> Um, so this, this really is a, it's a business decision that's going to be unique to you. So for my company, we don't do a lot of fix and flip. It's pretty rare that we fix a property specifically to flip it. We either wholesale it or we do some level of renovation and we keep it. And then, you know, typically we're, you know, selling this, um, you know, we're creating a note to sell this like a land called a land contract in Michigan where you know we, we play bank we set the interest rate and we 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 hold the note and we play bank to the to the buyer and then they're paying us like they would pay the bank so we do that with our property sometimes the way that we decide is right now in my business we're trying to see if everything we get if it makes sense to hold on to it and play bank and sell it to an end buyer and we hold the note like that's the model that we're pushing right now in my business and if it doesn't work for that and and it's a price point for me so um and th- these are michigan numbers so you have to kind of adjust but if we're looking at something that's like um median uh house price and or less then that's typically going to be something we'll look at for land contract that we're we're going to probably try to hold on to if it's like close to the median house price or more then a lot of times we're going to wholesale that or if it's significantly under the median house price and so i'm i'm saying medium median price and all that cuz i i don't really want to uh throw you off with my numbers in michigan but i'm going to use my numbers now to kind of give you a for example so in michigan median house price is somewhere around 150 to 200,000 let's just say 150 cuz that's what it's been forever and we're about to probably go back down to that being the median price so Median price one fifty. So if we get a house um, uh, under contract between you know sixty thousand and one hundred and ten thousand or so, then that that would fit really well into our buy box for a land contract deal. If it's less than sixty thousand or more than one hundred and ten, say, then very likely we're going to wholesale that. And there's a number of reasons, and it would take a while. I could break it down with the spreadsheet and kind of show you why those numbers matter to us and why those are our numbers. But that's how we decide. It's it's all about 
what is your goal, right? And so the way you decide if you're going to wholesale, keep it, or fix and flip, it's really your your immediate goals. If you need big chunks of cash, um, you're going to probably fix and flip houses because you're going to get bigger chunks of cash. And they're, they're going to be spread out, right? A normal house flip start to end is somewhere in the three to, say, three to five, three to six month sales cycle, right? From time you buy it to the time you sell it or make the money. And so if you can, if you want to make big chunks of money every five to six months, then you're probably going to be flipping the house more, more often than not. If you want to make money even more often, but maybe a little less, that might be a more of a wholesaling model. So maybe you, you need to have money coming in every month. You can't wait five or six months. Every month you want it, but instead of it being thirty dollars and $40,000 chunks, Maybe it's ten and fifteen thousand dollar chunks, but it's coming in every single month. That might be more of a wholesaling move. If you don't care about those big chunks of money, you don't need that. You want long term, consistent, uh, reoccurring revenue that you don't have to work for, and it kind of grows over time, but starts small. Then you're going to be probably holding on to it as a rental, for example. So, it more de- and really over the years my decision-making process was driven more by the market and the cash flow needs of my business than anything else. And so it really depends on the market we're in and what your cash flow needs are now versus being able to wait for, for, you know, like down the road cash. So that, that's really, it's all about your, your, it's all about your business model and what you're trying to accomplish, accomplish in your business. So I say, you know, that's sort of a, a personal kind of a decision to make. You got to look at what's important and where you are. If you're cash strapped and you need cash in your business to continue paying your bills, paying your people, you know, paying for loans that you have out there for for fix and flip. If you need like cash flow, you probably might want to start wholesaling things here and there so you can bring in some cash to kind of float what you're doing. If you don't and your goal is to have a hundred rentals in your portfolio then I say buy and hold everything, everything that you can. So it really depends on you on what your strategy is, to be honest. And it's, I don't want to like, I'm not trying to not answer it, but it's different for me than it is for you. And it's different for everybody, honestly. So um, yeah, that, that would be my opinion there. Okay, let's move on to the next question, please. Next question is from Adam Whitney. My man, Adam, Just Start Real Estate is the top podcast. I love it, man. Thank you. Thanks for the love. I appreciate that. Yeah, you guys should go check it out. If you haven't yet, go check out my podcast, Just Start Real Estate. I try to bring it every week. I try to bring the heat. On Mondays, we usually have interviews with awesome guests uh, like Adam, by the way. Adam's been on the podcast. Um, And then on Thursdays, we do a replay of this. So if you miss this live, you can always go and listen to it on my podcast, Just Start Real Estate, every Thursday. So Thanks for that, Adam. I appreciate you, brother. All right. Next up, from Cody, uh, are reverse mortgages a wise wise choice or a a Pandora's box of problems when getting ready to retire? Boy, I feel really bad about this answer. However, I am not a reverse mortgage guy. I don't have a lot of knowledge of reverse mortgage. It's an area. It's a blind spot for me because I've never had to deal with it. Um, Yeah. I know what they are in general. I don't. I've never really a hundred percent thought they were a great idea uh, for those that are getting ready to retire. But I'm going to have to punt on this one a little bit. I apologize. It's not really something that I'm super well versed in, so I am not going to sit here and be an expert when I'm not. So that would be a question for 
I don't know, somebody else who's into reverse mortgages. I'm not. So I'm not. I'm not really sure. Sorry about that. All right. Next question. Uh, okay. This person says, <clears throat> you've got to be getting close to 600 podcast episodes. Uh, what keeps you interested and motivated to help others in this way? Um, a couple things. And it's sort of evolved over the years. And by the way, thank you for even knowing that I'm close to 600 podcasts. I'm, I'm closer than you even think. I think I just finished. I think I just finished number 568. I think it's not published yet, but I think that's the last one I've done. So I'm, I'm getting really, actually really, really close. Um, when I started, I started, one of the reasons I started is still the reason. And one of the reasons I started was, this is probably the biggest reason. When I got started in real estate, my wife and I, we are both uh, more introverted than extroverted. Um, it, despite the fact that I'm on a camera with a microphone in front of my face, asking questions as if, you know, I'm life of the party. That's not really the case. So when we go to meetups, my wife and I, or like Ria's and things like that, and trying to, you know, talk to other real estate investors, we were pretty shy. So we would sit in the back and we would kind of like keep to ourselves. We wouldn't really mingle that much. And then we'd leave with a bunch of questions that we never got answered because we never opened up our mouth. We never made ourselves known that we had questions. And so we sort of had to figure things out and we didn't have a great source of answers to help us when we were getting started. And so I started the podcast and I called it Just Start Real Estate because I know that one of the biggest hurdles to actually succeeding in anything, and real estate's no different, is just getting started. And I used to listen to other podcasts and people that I admired, really like some really big names and some not big names, but all of them very successful. And the podcast host would ask them, in most cases, do you have any advice? Before we're finished here, like as we're wrapping up the interview, they'd say, you know, before we go, what advice do you have for people who want to have success like you've had? And I'm telling you, like 99 times out of 100, the guest would say, my advice to people is just start. Like, don't wait. Don't wait for the perfect time. Don't be a perfectionist. Just start. And I was like, that's perfect. I love that. And I kept hearing it over and over from people that I admire. And so I call my, my podcast Just Start Real Estate. And the goal was to answer questions that I know that I had when I was starting my business that I wasn't getting good answers for, uh, either because I was afraid to ask or because when I did ask, I just didn't have a lot of you know people around me that were super successful in real estate. I had people that were all trying to do it like I was, but nobody who had really kind of figured anything out. And so I wanted to be a source of information so that people don't have to go to a RIA, show up on a Thursday at seven o'clock, sit with a bunch of people they don't know, listen to a bunch of pitches, and then try to get answers. And all the while, you're talking and asking questions of people that you really don't know for sure if they've ever done anything. So uh, I wanted to be that source. I also used my podcast as a platform to raise money. And so I did that successfully early on. Um, and so those reasons really aren't that different now. I mean, I'm, I'm really just trying to help people and kind of spread the word and help people navigate through change in markets like we're having now, right? Is the market going to crash? Is it not going to crash? Like those kind of conversations I want to have and make them timely so that um, folks listening to my podcast really get something out of it that moves the needle for them. I want it to be actionable and I want it to be something that will they can implement now and, and it really helps them. So that's really why I'm doing it. it. There's really no other great reason to do it. It's not something that gets highly monetized. It's just something that I enjoy doing and I've been doing for a while. And I think there's good that comes from it. And so that's why I do it. 
Okay, next question. Question is, or it's kind of a statement, but question, I want to break free of my nine to five, but the thought of handling the admin stuff of running a business is daunting. Are there ways to get help with the details before I'm really making money? Yeah, you definitely better get help with the details before you start really making money. Because when you start really making money, by then there have been so many details that were missed and lost and forgotten that it'll be a nightmare. And so I'll tell you a, a real quick story of when I woke up to the fact that I was really in trouble. Uh, kind of a double-edged sword because <clears throat> I was starting to make really good money in my business. But the day that I realized I was a little bit in trouble because I didn't have the details nailed, and this is sort of an embarrassing story, so this is just me being uh, honest with you and not worrying about my ego. Um, this was several years ago. I think it was like 2014, right before my business exploded, but as it was ramping up and then I was starting to do more and more and more deals. My CPA called me in early April, like before taxes were due, but he was kind of fixing some things up and getting them ready to go. And he asked me a really reasonable question. He said, Mike, how many houses? I know you're doing wholesaling, which means you don't have to close on a house necessarily to, to do the transaction, but I know you do close sometimes. You flip some houses, sometimes you double close them. How many houses did you take title to total um, in the previous year, to, which would have been 2013? How many houses did you take title to? Not, not assign the contract, but actually take title even if it was for only an hour or half an hour before you closed with the buyer, how many houses did you take title to? I need to know and I need the addresses and I need to know the amount you bought it and sold it for. You would think that would be an easy question for somebody, but it wasn't. I, I didn't know. And worse, I didn't know how to find out. Um, so I, I started calling the title company that I work with and like, hey, how many houses have I bought this year? And what was the, can I have the HUD paperwork and the settlement statements and all that? And it was really hard to get the information because the title companies aren't there to be my, you know, my personal accountant. So I had to, I had to struggle to get, I was looking through my own personal notes. I was going through emails to try to find email trail of what went on. And it was just like, it stressed me out. It took me a week to figure it out. It's so ridiculous. And once I went through that and I had a couple of sleepless nights of not being able to figure this stuff out, I realized one thing I have to have in my business is a bookkeeper. I need someone doing my books. And so I immediately hired a bookkeeper. I had to go through a few, but I finally found a really great bookkeeper who is still my bookkeeper, by the way. And so those details I got taken care of. And then in my wholesale business, I was always trying to work with a title company and the title company, if you know, you work with title companies, they're always sending you stuff that you have to look at, that you have to go through, that you have to proofread, that you have to go and get from the buyers and the sellers and all these little details that you have to do. And I was getting bogged down. And so the next hire was what I call it a transaction coordinator. It was somebody in my business whose job was specifically and exclusively to work with title companies to make sure that all of the seller documents were in, in order, all the buyer documents were in order, and that we get to the closing table in a timely manner and everything has been accounted for. All the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted, and we get there and we can close because everybody has all the information they need. That was not a good job for me. I'm not a highly detailed person. And so I brought that person in. 
and I ran my business for a while. Then I started my podcast and um, started doing a bunch of other things. And I realized I, I'm in more than just my, my real estate business now. I've got other businesses and other things that I'm doing. And I'm starting to lose, I'm starting to lose track of the details across the board right? of, of all the things that I do. It's starting to become a little bit daunting to, to keep up with it. And so I hired an executive assistant, right? And so all along the way, I've sort of learned that I need to hire people that are good at doing things that I'm not good at doing. And that's specifically either keeping track of actual like paperwork details or just sort of looking across everything I do. My emails, by the way, like if you went into any of my email accounts, I've got several thousand to tens of thousands of emails unopened, right? Unopened. Most of them I don't want to open. I see them in my inbox and I just ignore them. Instead of deleting them and staying clean, I, I just ignore them. And so I end up with tens of thousands of unopened emails. It's just not what I'm good at. It's not, I can't maintain that level of detail. And so I brought an executive assistant in to kind of help me make sure I'm not missing anything because not opening up spam emails or junk emails is one thing. That's that's one thing, not a big deal. We can all sort of look the other way with that. But I was missing actual important emails, things that I was supposed to respond to, things that I needed to be aware of. I was missing those too. And in addition to like all the other stuff, my podcast, getting that out on time, making sure show notes are done, like all the things right that I have to do, I needed help with that. So yeah, uh, I, I have the same feeling. I, I, you know, the thought of handling all the admin stuff of running a business is super daunting for me too. And all I can tell you is, as you, as you, and, and you may have to get started in doing those things on your own. The good news is, when you're getting started, there's not a lot of details because you're not doing that much. But as you start bringing in some revenue and start making money, and you, you know, you ask, should I get help before I start really making money? For sure. But when you start making a little money, I would say one of the first things you need to invest in is somebody who complements your skill set. So if you're like this high level thinker, this creative, this visionary, someone who's like steering the boat and looking into the horizon, you need someone who's like looking for icebergs in front of you because the, that's what's going to crush you and, and crash your business, so to speak. Uh, you need someone who's who's watching like literally right in front of the boat as you look miles in the distance. So, yep, you're going to have to bring somebody in for sure. And if they're if the details are daunting to you, there's a good chance you're not a detail person probably. And and so you just have to be realistic about who you bring in. And I would say bring in the detail person sooner than later so that you don't have these problems. Okay. Let's try one more one more question. Adam Whitney, my man. Uh, what was your number one takeaway from the Chicago event? <clears throat> so, like I said at the beginning, um I was in Chicago last week with Adam and and been you know hundreds of other like 135 other investors and uh, it was for the seven figure flipping mastermind and uh, there is um, you know we do this event once a quarter and so my biggest takeaway from that event honestly it wasn't a tactical one necessarily but my biggest takeaway was how nervous a lot of successful by the way this was a high level event this was, these weren't new new people these were successful investors how nervous they all were about the changing market and i i said it at the event and i find it fascinating that essentially the same group of people <clears throat> it wasn't the exact same people but it was the exact same level of of investors 
back in 2018, sat in a room and were equally as nervous and scared and apprehensive about moving from a buyer's market into a seller's market. Like everyone was worried. What does this mean? Are we going to survive? How do we do this? Blah, blah, blah. Like, am I going to have be, you know, be successful and have um, houses to buy and sell? And, and so we had to deal with that. And then we moved into that seller's market and everyone was fine. In fact, more than fine, right? A lot of people really thrived. And now we're starting to move out of that seller's market and people are worried about moving back into a more of a buyer's market. But four years ago, we all wanted to stay in the buyer's market because we were afraid of what was coming. And then now we're that was fine and we're going out of it. Now people are afraid of what's coming. And I said this at the event. It, we can't think the sky is falling no matter what happens. Like, there, if we were scared to go in a seller's market, we should be excited to go to a buyer's market. I personally say my philosophy is we should be happy to go into every market, like buyer's market, seller's market. It's all good. We just have to change how we approach the business a little bit and staying connected with people in the seven-figure group or this call, this Wednesday call that's just free for you to log into and ask questions. Like That's why it's important. But my biggest takeaway from the event was why is everyone so nervous? What I'm excited. I think it's great. I don't want people to lose their houses. And I understand with a housing crash comes bad things for certain people. Okay. I understand that. I don't want that. That, that part of it isn't exciting to me. However, the more the market crashes, the happier I'll be as an investor because I know that there will be tremendous opportunities. So if the market dips 5%, it's like, good, I guess, All right? The market's still fine. I can still make tons of money, but I'm sort of waiting for the big crash. It's not going to happen. Like I said earlier to the one of the first questions, it's not going to be a huge crash in my opinion. It's going to be it's going to be relatively small, but I'm ready for it and I'm excited about it. And I think everyone should be excited about it. Whenever the market changes, change in the market signals an opportunity for investors. We should be excited about that, not nervous about it. And so my biggest takeaway is people are nervous. And I think for absolutely no reason, it's just like, it's fear of the unknown, right? We fear the unknown. And, and so it is unknown a little bit. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so people are afraid. I don't think they should be, though. I think they should be excited. Okay. <clears throat> I know I said last question, but let's get, let's get one more. All right. Joe Live says, uh, been buying properties through auction and wholesalers for 15 years. My leads are dry don't know how to fish for my own deals. What can I do? Not knowledgeable on marketing. It's a great question. And if you were here when we started, and maybe you weren't, um, I, I have one quick, easy solution for you. Uh, direct mail has been the single biggest revenue lead source in my business over the last six years, bar none. I mean, we're talking to the tune of you know, 100 deals a year, and 75% of those were from direct mail. And so direct mail is huge. Um, it's huge for almost every investor I've ever met that they will tell you direct mail has been their biggest source of leads. Okay. That all being said, I've spent a million dollars on direct mail, literally a million dollars on direct mail over the last five or six years. And I've learned a lot. And I put it into a free video course for you that you can download 100% free, no obligations to do anything else. Just go get it and take it and use it. Uh, it's called Winning Direct Mail. And uh, if we can throw that on the screen for you, if you just go to mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail, 
You can get it. Like I said, totally free. If you can't remember all that and you just go to MikeSimmons.com, there are two links on the homepage that you can go to to get that program. Start there. Go and grab that. I highly suggest it. I know that you will get value from it. It is literally everything I do to do direct mail um, to the tune of 100 deals a year. So go and grab that. It's for you. Um, Like I said, no strings attached, no money involved. Just it's free. So go and grab it. Okay. Real quick, Adam. (laughs) Uh, This is a very specific question to our group. So no one's going to understand this except me. Adam asks, which one of the Burnett twins is better? Um, I would say, uh, I think the one that's better. I don't know, man. I, I like them both. I'm trying to think of something clever to say, but doggone it. They're both so nice to me. I can't pick one. Uh, I think Kyle wrote me today. I think it was Kyle. Uh, wrote me today. So I'm just going to pick the one that reached out to me because he's thinking of me. And if he thinks of me, then I like him the best. So that's what I'll go with. No, the Burnett twins are awesome. Great guys. Great investors. Super cool. Love them to death. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> there he is too, right? I picked the right one. He's also on... No, he's definitely the best one because he's on here live with me. Wow, what a great pick. Okay, Kyle, you are the best. I did pick you. So you heard that. It was before I even saw your question. All right. Uh, Kyle says, my first hire was an admin assistant and it was a game changer. 100%. I I totally agree with that. I wish I would have hired my executive assistant earlier. It would have been a game changer for me too. And it has been a game changer since she's been on board. Um, But I think if you're not a detail person, getting an admin assistant, executive assistant, whatever you want to call them, um, huge, huge. We, We put it... Here's why people wait to hire an admin assistant. And Kyle, you can tell me if this pertains to you. We We put it off or we don't do it soon enough because it feels ridiculous to hire someone to basically herd us around and help us do things that we feel like we should be able to do without help. It feels vain a little bit, I think. That, that's one of the things that stopped me. It seemed, you know, someone said I have an executive assistant or I have an admin. It's like, come on, get over yourself. Like, Sign your own documents, read your emails. You can do this, right? But the fact of the matter is, it's, it is a game changer. And so I totally agree, Kyle. It's smart. I think people resist it because I think they need all these other big you know, positions filled. I think for a lot of people, an admin assistant really should be one of the first people you hire. So good call, man. You're my favorite, Kyle. Okay. I'm going to call it for tonight, guys. I appreciate you being here. Everyone who is live, you're super special to me and I love you in a very, very profound way. It's so much. Uh, If you're listening to this on replay, eh, I still like you, but you should really log on here live and check it out and participate and ask questions because I really want to help you. So uh, until next week, guys, go check out the direct mail course. Like I said, it's free. It's called Winning Direct Mail. You can go to MikeSimmons.com forward slash Winning Direct Mail. It's all yours for free. Guys, I will see you next week at 7 p.m. Take it easy. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.